0: It's Fulhamish Podcast. Hello, my name is Sammy James. This is the independent voice of Fulham FC, back for the 2017-18 season. I hope you had a great summer, and we're very happy to be back on the airwaves. Got a scorching show for you tonight, as it's still summer, full of sun, cess, and suspicious transfer rumours. Oh, I love it. The puns have gone nowhere over the (laughs) summer. And as it's Wimbledon at the moment, I've made sure I've got a grand slam of a lineup for tonight's show. Farrell Monk is here. Good evening, everyone. Jack Collins is here. Hello listeners. Oh, I've missed that. And fresh from his tour of Poland, Dominic Betts is here. Hello Hello. How are you doing? Good, good. It's nice to be back, isn't it?
1: Yeah. It is. I mean we're now back and the rain has come
0: back. Proper muggy now. Yeah, exactly. It's like Pathetic dooming... fallacy. Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> couldn't have put it finer myself. On tonight's show, we're gonna be discussing the new contracts for cess and TC, uh, all the transfer rumours and the confirmed signings of Cisse and Jallo. Uh, we're gonna be having a little bit of a discussion about Yukanovich as well. There's been some uh, very sinister rumours in that department, and we'll have all the reaction from Dom's big tour of Poland. I'm very excited to hear all. I think most people are, to be honest. I think
2: that's why most people are listening.
0: Exactly. You're going to have to wait to the end for that one, though. I'm keeping people hooked. Uh, but first, we'll have to address probably the summer's biggest news so far. New contracts for Ryan Sessegnon and Tom Kenny. So, Sess has been given a new three-year deal till 2020, which ends the potential speculation about him moving to one of the leading Premier League clubs. And Tom Kenny signed a four-year deal uh, with the option to extend this by one more year. So, uh, Farrell, I'll start with you. How important uh, are these moves from Fulham? Do you think it will be the biggest thing? that Fulham does this summer, securing the long-term futures of Cess and TC.
1: We had a little bit of chat uh, just uh, just before the uh, summer break about whether Tom Kearney, if he did decide to leave for a Premier League club, whether that would start a bit of an exodus. Uh, thank God it didn't happen. We were a bit undecided whether, it, you know, if he did leave, that it could start an exodus. Um, but, it, you know, thankfully it didn't happen. And if we now could kick on with the rest of the transfer, transfer market. There might be players uh, that we're trying to sign at the moment where they can look at, look at Fulham itself and Jukanovic um, and the rest of the transfer team, whoever that might be, go to some of these players and look, we've got some top quality players here. We've got players that are like Tom Kearney, like uh, Ryan Sessegnon, who have been touted to make it really big and you can play alongside them. We're not, you know, You're not going to be playing alongside some really average QPR players or Brentford players. You're playing alongside some top quality Fulham players who really, you know, challenged to go up last season.
0: Only a few minutes in and the QPR and Brentford digs have already started. Jack, I'll start with you. Uh, We'll start with Ryan Sessegnon, sorry. So he uh, will be here now till 2020. Not necessarily here till 2020, but he signed a new contract. And we all know in reality it probably means uh, he still might leave in the next couple of years. But if he does leave in the next couple of years, we know now... We will get a decent, sizable transfer fee from him, and potentially, if things did go well for Fulham this season or maybe the following season, and we did get into the Premier League, we could be seeing Ryan Sessignon at Craven Cottage for a little bit longer.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think it's good, and I'm, you know, very pleased that he has signed on for his sake as much as anyone else's. I think that this is the right place for him to grow and develop, and we've seen in a number of occasions how people, you know, make that step up too early and 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 fail, and you know, one of the the classic ones is Sam Byron from Leeds a few years back who went up only to West Ham or even to the kind of calibre of clubs that SESS is being linked with and just couldn't break the side for, you know, time and time again. And and he's only now starting to really come through and, and show any sort of hint of the potential he showed back in that Leeds side, you know, a few years ago. And I think that there's something to be learned there. And, you know, a lot of people pull it back to the Patrick Roberts case. And to be honest, I think Roberts has managed his, you know, career, you know, not, particularly badly since he's left you know it was six months where it was all a bit haywire but you know he went he made that decision to go out on a long-term loan and it's benefited him you know largely in the the long run so I think that it can be done and you can go out and do it but it means that you're loaned out again and I think Seth would be mad to do that when he can develop as a first team player and you know some of the comments he's made this week in the press saying about how championship football had equipped him for the Euros and you know his ability to just find the target is becoming you know somewhat sensational in a game you know i don't know how many people watched the germany england game the other day but Seth didn't actually have a very good game he he didn't play very well but he got two chances and he scored twice and you know the second one is an immaculate finish through the, the keeper's legs and i think that it just goes to show how much of an eye for goal he has and and he'll learn and develop that over the course of a tough physical championship season and he can only get better i think
0: Megan Nutt's so sweet, I think he said as he did it. Uh, Dom, uh, I'll come on to you about um, Sessegnon as well. I was particularly going to pick up on that England performance where he scored two goals uh, to send uh, England under-19s through to the semi-finals. When, when is the semi-final for Uh Tomorrow, I think, about yeah. 6 o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he played in a slightly more advanced position uh, for England. Uh, but with Scott Malone being sold uh, this summer, it leaves an interesting one for Ryan Sessegnon this season. Uh, where Do you think he'll be a first-choice starter now he's got a new deal. Do you reckon that might have been part of the contract negotiations is uh I'll sign a new contract, but I want more guaranteed first-team football this season? I think
3: he is going to be played as an advanced player this season more than he is a left-back. I think we're still in the market for a left-back. As we all know, Doy can play there. He did play there in Belgium before he joined us. But I still think we should be in the market for a good left-back, a good championship-quality left-back because... We can't just rely on Cess to be our only natural left-footed left back, and it'd be great to have sess playing majority of his games further forward because we've seen how much better he is and how more effective he is for us in that sort of position. Whether he's he would be down in the pecking order behind the likes of Aite and Cabano and Aluko, you don't really know. But yeah, the the deal for sess is it's a, it obviously it's great news, but I don't th- I wasn't really surprised that. He signed it i was expecting him to sign the deal because he seems him and his family got quite level heads and they understood that he needs to be playing football at this age to make the uh, best career out of himself because we've seen this with like the teams such as the spanish under 21s under 20s and the german under 21s and 20s their players are playing top level football week in week out whereas england players are probably stockpiled in all the big clubs like united chelsea liverpool and then can only get the football if they're loaned out and we saw that with Tammy Abraham last season, that when he was given first-team football, he was scoring goals left, right and centre. And now he's got, an, obviously, another loan deal, but now in the Premier League. So I think Cesc made the right decision, but I don't think it was that
0: hard for him to make because he knew he needs to be playing football. Interesting you mentioned uh, his brother, Stephen Cescignon. Yeah, it was a little bit overlooked on, on that day. He also signed a brand-new deal. Uh, I don't know how long. I assume maybe similar length, same, three years. I'm pretty sure it's the same. Um, quite interesting in the first game... On the Poland tour, he took uh, Ryan Ryan's number thirty shirt and, and played it left back. So yeah. a little bit of sibling. No, he, didn't. he
2: played it right back. Oh, sorry, um, right back. Took but he did, thir- he took his number shirt. thirty shirt he anyway. Our, yeah. he liked our post about it as well. Oh, so, did he? Shouts yeah. out, realist Cess. <laughs> Who um, a bit of vintage, a bit of sibling yeah. rivalry. He was like, "Oh, I see you out on that England tour. My shirt now. Um, <laughs> Just saves money on shirt printing."
0: But be- oh, a Cessignon 30, yeah, yeah, it's
2: already done. I suppose he might. It's a, you imagine that Ryan Cessignon might nab the number three shirt now. That might be quite nice for him. Um, interestingly, the point I was going to make was that the two real star, okay, two of the three real star men for this England under-19 side have been, you know, Cessignon and, and Ben Burton, who's, also at Nottingham Forest and and has made the same kind of you know, decision to stay lower down the ranks and progress was, at his as club.
0: Was he the one that scored that really good header again? For yeah, yes. From, again, the edge of the yes. Yes. right. Stunning header. header.
2: And it's it's interesting to note that obviously Mason Mounts had an unbelievable tournament as well, and obviously he's the exception to this rule as such. But to say to see you know Cessignon and Brereton you know really lighting up that tournament as part of that England front three. And both of them getting regular game time at a competitive championship level is, is something that clubs need to be looking at and going, oh, maybe that's that is what our, our players need, and that's what you know has come to the fore very much in this in this tournament.
1: It seems to be with this England Under 19 squad and and to some extent the England Under 21 squad, and Dom quite rightly points out that a lot of them are playing first team football. Whether whereas about four or five years ago there was just a lot of the players that were top teams united's chelsea's like under 21s team and who hadn't actually had a lot of first team football and I, I can't say for the 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 rest of the nations that are there in the tournament at the moment but perhaps with the with the under 19s you've got players like session in the team who've had like a really good run of um appearances at senior level playing against you know um good quality players who wouldn't give them an inch And I think it shows that Sessegnon's maturity, that chances won't come to him all the time. But thinking back from the season just gone, when chances have fallen to him, 95% of the time he has done well with it. Um, Whereas it's not like he's getting lots and lots of chances and he's missing them or he's fluffing his lines. More often than not, most of the shots he's had have either tested the keeper or gone in.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. I think it's it's important to remember that he's, you know, not necessarily he has had a great run in the side, but he's come on and when he's come on, he's been effective. Cessa scored what, two ninetieth minute equalisers for us this season. Mm. Um he scored, you know, some some important goals at important times. You know, those those finishes against Newcastle. It wasn't like he had a, you know, eight shots. You're you're completely right. He he took his chances when they came and and he's learned to be a, a, you know, turning into a very clinical player, if you will. And I think that's very important and something that we can only build on this season.
0: I know he's 17, so probably has uh, far more stamina than maybe your average uh, late 20s, early 30s footballer. But he's playing quite late on in a international tournament for England and still not even played the semi-finals yet. So you assume that's going to go on for at least another best part of a week. He might not be... Um, having too much pre-season with us which may affect impact his start to the season i don't know when he's had his break has he had a break before playing
1: well yeah probably in the you'd euros probably a, probably a small bit but i mean
0: he'll surely need to have a break after yeah. the euros as well
1: i i assume that he'll probably miss two or three of the first fixtures not just pre-season i'm talking actually league fixtures yeah or just make a couple of sub appearances yeah i'd
2: imagine he'll be on the bench yeah um but it'd be interesting to see now what what the club do especially well if we're in the market we'll, we'll learn soon if what we're in the market for because fulham will have to announce their squad numbers and if fulham give the three shirt to you know sesignan say um then you know you can maybe read from that that he we're not going to be pushing for another left back to come in you know, but if you know if they leave that vacant and leave those kind of spots, you you'd imagine that that means that the club are still in the hunt, and you know it's not definitive one way or the other, but it is an indication of of where we're going with it. So we'll see very soon how the club's you know plans with Cessiorn are going to play out.
0: Let's move on to Tom Kenny, who signed a four year deal. Now people were getting very excited uh, when TC announced a new contract, and like you, Dom, I kind of expected Ryan to sign a new contract. But I genuinely wasn't sure about Tom Kearney. I'd heard some rumors that he was, but then equally, I just thought if a big club came in for Tom Kearney, I I, I wouldn't begrudge him a move to a bigger Premier League club and I could just see his eyes Lighting up and seeing the Premier League and seeing the bright lights. But he signed a pretty hefty contract, a four year contract, and Fulham have the option for a fifth year, taking it till 2022. He's been given the permanent captaincy since the retirement of Scott Parker. It's a huge statement of ambition. From yeah, Fulham. I mean, the way he worded it when we got knocked out to Reading the Payoffs last year was that he wanted
3: to take Fulham up himself or lead Fulham to the Premier League for next season. Everyone was looking into his Twitter post, but then because I think he, word, he worded it in like the past tense or something when talking about the club. But then, obviously, on his Instagram, he went in further in depth because obviously, he haven't got 140 character limits. So, I think Kenny just loves it being at Fulham. His family like it here, they go to see him play nearly every single week. And I think he didn't feel like there was a reason to move. He feels like this is sort of his club, I guess you could say, and he wants the best for us and he wants to sort of be the leading force behind us reaching the Premier League.
1: I think there's a few things to read into Fulham's transfer activity uh, or system over this summer that they probably thought to themselves that all the players we're actually going to lose this summer are just going to be our loan signings and we're probably not in the market for making huge 15, 10 million pound signings so we can actually spread that budget in the, the wages and in that case we don't need to sort of raise much capital in the sense of selling players. We're not going to because... And we're probably not tempted by selling Tom Kearney for eight, nine million to a Huddersfield or somewhere in the Premier League. So if someone's going to come in for him, because he still had two years left in his contract, I want to say, that we, did, you know, we didn't need to panic sell him. And probably someone in the Premier League would have had, probably come to us and gone, um, can we sign him? And we've gone, up, gone, no, we don't need to. So unless you want to pay 20, 20 odd million for him, it's not going to happen.
0: And Jack TC, actually, sometimes... at it- points last season wasn't the perfect player by, by a long chalk but he came on leaps and bounds last season and you imagine that he's going to be as instrumental next season as he was last and keeping him fit and keeping him happy uh, is going to be of paramount importance if Fulham are to challenge uh, for not only the top six but maybe even the top two
2: 100% And I think that you know our listeners will know that we are quick to criticise and quick to praise here. And, and you know, when, when Tom Kenny, you know, wasn't pulling his finger out and doing his bits, we were the first to hop on it and be like, look, that's, you know, not good enough and not what you want from your captain. But that said, you know, in the latter half of the season, there were serious points where Tom Kenny literally picked up the team, stuck them on his back and, and, and walked them across the line at, at, at given points. And I think he's grown so much over the course of a season and I'm excited to watch him grow more this season and I think he will be. I think he's going to be an absolute crucial player for us And the only thing that is potentially, you know, his first half of the season last year was good without being unbelievably spectacular. And we were still fending off interest in January. If he starts this season the way he finished last season, we're going to be really fending people off in January. So, yeah, you're right in terms of we didn't have to sell. I think we've, you know, we'll go on to it later. We've made capital in other ways in in some quite sensible sellings, I think, which is, is quite good. And I think that... Tom, you know, will know that this is his, you know, big shot and a big chance to, to lead Fulham and, and really ingrain himself in sort of Fulham folklore, and whether or not he, you know, whether or not he stays with us on the long term, you know, in, in the long term, I think this is, this is where he makes his kind of make or break season in terms of if, if Kearney can lead Fulham to the Premier League this season, he will go down, even if he left at the end of it as as a Fulham legend.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, Before we move on to some of the permanent signings that have arrived at Motspur Park and also left Motspur Park in the summer, just want to point you in the direction of uh, Fulhamish's Facebook and Instagram pages. So uh, over the summer, uh, we've all been very busy uh, improving Fulhamish. You'll notice there's a brand new logo on this podcast. Goodbye to the red. Hello to the black and grey stripes. Uh, But we've been doing uh, lots of work on the Instagram and Facebook as well. Uh, So we really want you to go follow us on both of those. Uh, So facebook.com slash Fulhamish pod or Just type in Fulhamish Podcast and you can do the same on Instagram at Fulhamish Pod. Go give us a follow or a like and, and it'd be much appreciated. Uh, but anyway, let's go back on to some of those people that have arrived at Motspur Park this summer. There's been two permanent signings so far. Uh, and the first of those, uh, Marcelo Jallo, uh, who arrived from Lugo of uh, the Segunda Division. Or is it Liga B? Liga... It, the name always changes. I don't know.
3: It, it was Liga Adelante for a bit. Then now people are calling it La Liga one 2 3 I think it's, I think the, it's known,
2: uh, like, overarchingly as La Segunda. Which, the, WK, the WKD Blue Segunda. Yeah, I think all the rest of it is kind of, it's a bit like <laughs> the old Division 1, as in, like, it's just like a, a name for the second tier. The least league, league, guys, yeah, basically. Yeah, the working. tier <laughs> below. I think it's the Segunda, but I think it's officially the Santander One Two Three league.
0: Okay, well he arrived (laughs) from the second tier of Spanish football, from a side called Lugo. Now it's a really interesting transfer, uh, and there's speculation that this caused a bit of a rift amongst the Fulham backroom staff. There's a really interesting article online uh, by Mr. Ben Jarman, who currently is living it up in Lanzagrotti. He'll be back, I'm sure, on a podcast very, very soon. uh, Basically about why uh, Marcelo Jallo was a bit of an interesting transfer and you could see maybe why uh, some of the, probably more likely to be the coaching staff, had reservations about his signing, even though on a stats basis it probably looked like a good one. Jack, do you want to build a little bit on what I've said uh, from Ben's article and, and just also why it created such a rift?
2: I mean, the thing about Jallo is he appears to be a moneyball signing, if we're going to call them those. Um, no one's quite sure... Where or what? Which signings are money ball signings and which aren't? So we don't really have the kind of we it'd be audacious for us to say that money ball signings don't work because we signed so many players last summer on the back of what we think are statistical models and that worked out that I think it would be ludicrous to suggest that you know the players that we're signing aren't fit you know don't fit into the side and and don't work. So before you know it gets called out that you know all these money all this statistical models don't work I think it's important to remember that and a lot of people forget that you know at, at points last year these players were you know Cabano, Aite, Odoi even to a point our, our players Johansson are all players that might well have come through that system and you know fitted in with what the the model that Fulham were trying to create so I think it's important at first to not just jump on the back of Jallo because he's been heard as a Klein signing rather than a Kanovic signing you know there's rumors of this rift which we'll go on to later but Mostly the the issue with Jallo, and as anyone who's actually watched the two the games will see is he has absolutely no pace, like like none. He's he's literally a sloth. <laughs> he he can barely move. Um that said, he does have a big header on him, he's a big lump. Um and he appears to be quite good in the old one-on-one. He's made a couple of really quite sort of good hmm. sort of stop tackles um when being faced with defenders, but when the ball goes over the top of him, he looks a little bit hopeless. Um, Sounds a
0: bit like a couple of uh, defenders I play Sunday League with.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not. Uh, I wouldn't. would be not naming to any idea. names. But basically, <laughs> that's why it's causing some <laughs> consternation as such because you know Fulham are going. Oh, where have we signed? A lot of fans are going. Where have we signed with this guy from? Why have we signed a defender with no pace? You know, he's six foot four. You know, what's he kind of adding to the team? Um, but I think it's going to be one of those. He's very young still and he has a lot of potential. If we can, you know, get the best best out of him, he might well turn out to be one of those players that even if he doesn't necessarily feature too heavily, that we can sell back to Spain at a profit. Yeah. So I think is one to wait and see about, basically.
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously in the two games I saw him play in Poland, obviously we'll get into those games in a lot more detail later. He did play a lot better in the second game which I feel like he might now now he played maybe I don't remember it was 45 or 60 minutes or whatever but now he, he got used to the system that Fulham were playing and obviously he we did need that sort of centre back at times last season I felt we did uh, we did need a big brute at the back to just be that physical rock which Sigerson I think was supposed to be but it just sort of never works out so I don't think you look too past him I know he's not a ball playing centre back and he's not a quick centre back but again you do need variety in a squad when it comes to these positions, like if we look at our wingers, let's say we've got loads of wingers, but they're all different. They bring different things to the side, and you can say that of defenders as well. So I don't think I think people are just more angry because Jukanovic it isn't a Jukanovic signing. But how many of, as Jack said, of last summer signings were Jukanovic signings, and how many were Klein signings? So I don't think you can really judge. And I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna give him time to adjust into our system, and maybe he might even be a starting centre for us next season. He's a very good looking chap. Yeah, I think the funniest thing about it, it was um, while we were in the stand in the second game, before, like while their players were warming up, he was just on the phone forever and not like talking to anyone. It just looked like he was on his own, but I think he was just calling someone. But it just looked really funny because he was just like
0: sort of standing on his own for a good 45 minutes. Was he doing the classic thing of um, he just was a bit bored but wanted to look like he was occupied? I think so. He so. was just pretending to talk um, to someone we on the were phone. Talking
3: to uh, like Williams and Christensen because they're like just down from us because we obviously are just behind the dugouts, and we're like, does he actually have any friends? He's like, oh yeah, yeah, no, he's 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 settled in relatively well. Okay, so that's, that's good gonna, news
1: to hear. It's going to take him time though, isn't it? Of
3: course, he he probably doesn't speak fluent English, so <laughs> he just needs to get you need to get used to the language. True. But um, yeah, no, I didn't I didn't think he was horrifically bad. So obviously you won't be able to tell. To it. It's a proper yeah. competitive game of football.
1: You can't read too much into preseason, a lot, especially for like new players who don't. You know, I mean, it's. He's been in for a good few weeks, a month now, um, but it's going to take him a long time to get used to the players around him and probably learn all of their names.
0: Uh, another new signing who didn't play uh, in Poland uh, is Ibrahim Assei. Am I right in thinking we were linked with him in January?
2: Yeah, and potentially last summer as well, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So um, a, a long term target for someone anyway.
0: Um, generally played as a kind of defensive midfielder, uh, but it appears Farrell he can also play um, in wing-back roles, especially at right-back, I seem to see. I haven't seen him, much evidence he can play at left-back, but I always think if you can play at right-back, you could probably do a job at left-back. Where do you expect him to be used next season? Do you see him as a bit of an understudy? I know it's hard to tell at the moment, really.
1: I think it's going to take a lot for anyone to break into that midfield trio that we have. But mm. I assume that, considering if one of them got injured last season, it would have it would have been Parker going in. We don't have Parker anymore, mm. and there's no one that springs to my mind that would easily slot into that that role. LBC? Or well, yeah, yes and no. I I I can. Oh, into I, McDonald's role. Yeah, McDonald's. Oh, yeah,
2: I thought you meant just into midfielders as as a, as a whole. Yeah, it's Dennis well. Adurinan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you yeah, I mean with the LBC I, I assumed that his Fulham career is on his way out because he is cracking on a little bit and unless he's used quite a lot over the preseason, I can't really see him breaking into the team at the moment in its current form. I just I think we 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 spoke about it a little little bit last season that he's a good player. He just doesn't fit into the system.
3: And he's at the stage of his career where he needs to be playing every week. Mm. What well, is this LVC about here? Uh, about LVC, I think. Yeah. No, it's Scott Parker. I don't <laughs> think he's going to break <laughs> into the scene. He needs it. to be playing every week. He, I think he knows that at this stage of his career. I think you could argue the same for someone like George Williams as well.
2: See, I c- disagree with you. I think I think LVC is the perfect cover for someone like Stephanie Hansen and will get a decent run in the Cups. Um, I just don't think we can bank on the same kind of injury-free season that we had last season. And I think that yeah. someone like LVC is is literally a perfect covering midfielder because he can play almost any of the three roles. I, don't, um, I
3: think he's a good covering midfielder. I just think from him personally, he, he probably thinks he needs to be playing week in, week out like he did when he went on loan to Burton.
2: I think he will this season try and break into the side. And I think if he doesn't work out, then we will see him leave at the end of this season. But I think this will be the year he thinks... Maybe this is my go mm. at, at the game, and you know what? All he needs is a couple of really good performances. Especially, you know, Johansson's. You know, has, for, for me to say this to all people, Johansson is a, is an excellent player and a wonderful player, but he he is just a bit of a workhorse. You know what I mean, he does he just puts in the hard yards, and yeah, he has a, a a wonderful left foot at points. But you know, LVC when he was on loan at Burton was the one a killer ball a lot of the time, and I think that it would only need two or three excellent performances for him to be then put into some sort of rotation with Jansen, like the yeah. way that Sess kicked into the side last year.
1: Yeah, and with those with the attacking five or six players that we do usually play in the team, Jukanovic, apart from a two or three, he did rotate them quite a lot. So, and with, with some of the the lone players leaving from last season, you know, Piazza, Pia- we don't have Piazza anymore and it doesn't look like he's going to come back in. Maybe this is LVC's chance to get back in because he is one of those kind of versatile midfielders that can... Especially in the centre, can just beat a man like. Um,
2: he's good with his... at finding space,
1: and he's good at he is good at finding space, yeah. and okay. he's got something that he does bring something to the team. Whether Yukanovich sees that, he does seem a bit ruthless with some of the players. For example, Sigurdsson. I mean, he he brought him in, played him a little bit, and then once once he hit that bad form, that was it. It was done basically with that, unless there were injuries.
2: To go back to CSA for a second, um, just some of the things that have been said about him is he's pretty the sort of general consensus from standard Liege fans was he's quite solid. He has, you know, the odd mistake in him, but for the most part is a pretty solid defensive midfielder. Um, and he all, apparently is just an absolute workhorse. He puts the effort in and absolutely mm. covers ground. And I think that we could do a lot worse than having someone like him He yourself. does have a ping in him, but to have looked at his stats, he's actually only ever scored three goals in like seven years. he only scored Well, he's only scored worldies, but also like he just doesn't score well. He's that is in, as in very often. So. I'm not
0: gonna lie, because I tried to find a little gif of him scoring when we signed him, and it it was a very limited selection of goals precisely to, to choose from. Um, but he's played Champions League football. He's played yep. under twenty ones yep. for Belgium. Um, he's played over forty times for Standard Liège in two separate. Goes campaigns, yeah. Um, so he seems like a, a very solid player, standardly Asia, no marks.
2: No, we've got also we signed him for less than two million euros, and that's a, a very decent fee for a rotation player in the system. And if he becomes more than that, then brilliant. And if he doesn't, then under two million for a player that can slot in in a number of positions, do a job when he's called upon, is, is good mm. business as far as I'm concerned.
1: And if he's got the engine, I mean, if he'll fit right in any sort of like passing issues or any uh touches or any anything that he's particularly not great at, I'm sure they'll be able to iron those things out. I mm. think it's the engine more than anything, and if he can put a tackle in and break up play like Kevin MacDonald does, we're on to a winner.
3: Exactly. He's got quite a cute kid.
1: I'm not sure that they looked at that in the stats department. No, I'm just... As a, we've, as al- a separate we've also point. already
3: created the most horrific chant for him already. Go, right. on, Bye, go on, Dom. It's royal we. <laughs> Ibrahima, here we go again. C say, how can I resist you? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, Excellent. I so hope that becomes Fantastic. big. I love very, it. Very, very good.
1: I could just imagine like four thousand Fulham fans <laughs> doing the doing the piano bit from that song <laughs> afterwards. Din
0: din, 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 din din. That'd be a new He uh, lo- doesn't love Mamma Mia football chance. <laughs>
1: <laughs> could we be more middle class? <laughs> <laughs>
0: um so the other confirmed signing, unfortunately, this one away from Wattsford Park, I say unfortunately, it's been a mixed reaction uh, to him leaving, uh, is Scott Malone. Uh, who has joined Huddersfield Town. It was a fairly unexpected transfer. I don't think any of us really thought that Scott Malone was going to go anywhere. Until that DM got
3: released on social media, no one really knew it was happening.
0: Weird way for weird for Scott Malone to just DM back some fan who had asked him, are you going to Huddersfield?
2: Yeah, that's really weird. <laughs> like, proper odd. I'm not sure how I feel about it, to be honest. It's no, just very odd. As, in, as if that fan hasn't gone out straight away and stuck a bet on Scott Malone joining Huddersfield. Yeah, because would, that would, that's what I would have been doing
0: pick your odds <laughs> yeah
1: um, it's, it's illegal but never mind <laughs> you can't
0: just get information straight from him and then put a bet on hasn't yeah, stopped how some on people what do they ever find out well don't publish it well, yeah, it. Don't, that that yeah exactly <laughs> um but anyway, he's joined Huddersfield for reported £3.5, 3.5 to £5 million. Pounds. Um, somehow, Scott Malone is playing in the Premier League and, it, and it's not with us and no one's really quite sure how it's happened. It, all in all, it just seems like a little bit of a bizarre move. I mean, of, there's a really interesting article that Jack's written about Scott Malone on the Fulhamish website uh, just today. It's hot off the press.
2: Straight off the, straight off the, the buttons. <laughs> still smouldering.
0: Um, obviously, he was named in the Championship Team of the Season last year year i mean there was lots of people saying that he wasn't even the best left back at fulham last season but he obviously created a lot of goals he created a lot of opportunities but he was quite suspect offensively i think all in all it's quite a good move for fulham we've been given a lot of money for a player that was sometimes a little bit of a liability it just seems strange i don't think scott malone wanted to go that interview that you posted when he joined huddersfield he looks 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 almost somber
2: I'm like genuinely distraught. I was showing this to my dad the other day. He was like, wow. He's like, I've never seen a man that sad. I was like, yeah, it's really bad. The only time in the entire interview he lights up is when he's talking about Fulham. He's like, oh, I loved it there. And I was like, of oh course. <laughs> I think Fulham have genuinely just been like, yep, Scott, you're off. It's a bit one of those um, Harry Redknapp and Ben Gianni gigs, I reckon, where they're like, "Nope, you'll really like it, Benji. Manchester's great. They're offering <laughs> me £8 million for you. I reckon I just feel to put in an offer, and Fulham have gone, all right, thanks very much, lads. Um... So yeah, we'll see about that. But you know, with three point five million pounds is the lower end of the estimates that has been thrown out. Five million, the top end, that'll buy you Matt Doherty from Wolves. And Matt Doherty is a better left back.
3: I swear Scotland he's not home. even Huddersfield's best left back. I swear Chris Lerva's their left back. Oh yeah, he's, he's been brought in better. as a, he's been yeah. brought in
2: as a rotation player. In fairness, like, and he knows that. He said it's going to be difficult to break into the side, but it's Premier League football, and yeah, you know, I think that was his kind of. Only motivation by the sounds of it. The only thing he says positive about Huddersfield pretty much is that it's in the Premier League. That is pretty much that.
0: Presumably you, a nice, hefty pay rise.
2: You'd hope so. For Scott's sake, really, he has to go to <laughs> Huddersfield.
0: Well, he's a Villa, I mean, Villa he's fan. A, so so he's houses. used to shitholes.
3: Hmm? He's a Villa fan, so he's used to shitholes. No, yeah, fair enough.
1: I think it's good. It seems to be a transfer that's kind of good all round. I mean, he did well for us last season. A couple of years ago, he was playing in a, in a Cardiff team that was pretty much going. Nowhere. nowhere so to, in two years to now be playing Premier League football good on him and Huddersfield come with a good price they're going to have lots of money to throw around and they've gone they've obviously looked at that kind of high energy type of player because they do play high energy football and they've gone he's the type of player that we want he fits into our system and we're going to go for him if we think about it we basically
3: just got five million for Ashley Jazz Richards <laughs> more
2: more because we got did we not get Malone and money
3: yeah we did Best transfer business ever. I mean, that is serious business. But like, there was Millwall fans on Twitter confused how he's gone to a Premier League team.
0: Well, this is interesting because uh, I was talking to my brother on the weekend who works with a Millwall fan and and he said that this Millwall fan is gutted and he thinks it's the difference between the good coaching staff that Fulham have and the setup that they have there at Millwall that they let someone go for free back in 2015 Mm. that's just joined a Premier League club for 5 million and it's the... It's actually a testament to Fulham of what quality they have in taking a player and finding their strengths and turning them in uh, from an average player to a good player. And you know, Milo- uh, so M- he's like Millwall had this quality player just sitting in their team, not really wanted when they were in League One. It shows
1: what a good team and some good motivation can do to a player's stock value, right there. I mean, you are looking at you. There is numerous and loads and loads of other examples where. A player has done really dreadfully somewhere. I'm not saying Scott Malone did dreadful at uh, Millwall. Um, he did. He was pretty awful. <laughs> um, but And then they've gone somewhere else and all of a sudden they've just come alive. And if they're really settled, then they do really well. So, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and start sprouting names out, but there's probably loads of examples where that's happened. And hopefully for Scott Malone's sake, it carries on that way. But it's going to be really tough coming up against them you know, not coming up against uh, championship wingers, now coming up against some of the best wingers in the world.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him play Eden Hazard next season at Stamford Bridge. That should be a, a titanic struggle.
2: Well, I mean, Calamo Dowder gave Scott Malone nightmares. You can only imagine what he's going to do coming up against Eden Hazard. But, you know, good luck to him. At I mean, the, his the head's least. only
0: stopped spinning after... The Ericsson uh, the, thing. Yeah, after Christian Ericsson tormented Probably him for 90 a career minutes. after that.
1: Yeah,
2: well, I think... I mean,
3: good luck to him, if I'm perfectly honest. The best he's,
1: thing to come from that is that strange video that will, meme is from, the weirdest
3: from, thing. Well, from Simply Spurs. Yeah, I, th- I, I, I love it. I still funny. listen to it. <laughs>
0: um, so, a few of transfer rumours uh, flying about. The main one that is of note uh, is currently Diego Roland, uh, signing from uh, Gironde Bordeaux uh, of League One. was. I mean, nice. I, did a, I did a French degree. I should be able to pronounce it.
1: Yeah. Um, That's Bordeaux to any other. <laughs> we'll
0: <be> <laughs> Bordeaux. Uh, um, an intelligent striker. He grabbed nine goals last season in Liga. Uh, we don't know too much about him, but he seems at a solid potential signing and uh, Fulhamish broke the exclusive news. Uh, thanks to Don Betts for being sharp on the ball. Uh, he was at Wimbledon today. So basically a confirmed signing. Yeah, a <laughs> At bit, AFC an odd one. Wimbledon. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, Fulham don't like to do their transfer business in the public eye, um, which is something to note. So that's either the deal's maybe nearly done and he's just got a, you know, pen and paper and, and all those things. Or he's in England looking to make himself known. Mm. Um, which I think this can go one of two ways from here and and I didn't if i if i'm honest i wasn't too too pleased i hoped it was just going to stay under wraps until we unveiled him pretty much and i didn't sort of like the fact that he's out there putting himself being like i'm in england hello somebody come <laughs> and sign me um especially after he said he was looking to you know play in in, in top division football and there were there are top division clubs interested and I think that we we should hold our horses a little bit on this one. I'm I'm not convinced.
0: I I feel like maybe he did he didn't really go hello in England and come and sign me. The the poor bloke put one Instagram story because he's excited that he's seeing Djokovic on centre court and Fulhamish podcast have latched onto it.
2: Look, it's not our fault. It's what we do. It's yeah. just <laughs> what we do.
0: What we're paid to do. We don't make the stories. We just break them. <laughs> uh, but he seems like a he, he seems like. The kind of signing that I think we've needed up front—an intelligent striker, not necessarily thirty goals a season, but I don't necessarily say really think that's what we need. Would mind it?
1: He looks like a player that is like an Aluko that can finish. He's just got—he works hard. He's Goodness creative. Me. He can dribble and he can score. He can score goals. He can, when he gets the chance, he does score goals. He's very, very right-footed though. Uh, he he does score a lot of headers, but he does everything with his right foot. Um, so that's just one thing that he does, but. He he does seem a very he seems like an absolute workhorse. He can um, he can take players on, and he is quite creative. He does play off he he can play in all the th- the front three positions.
2: The only one that was um, quite interesting was I saw someone write about him today saying he's an, a good player and he on his day he's unbelievable, but his attitude isn't always there, mm. which is. Um, is this
0: our Bordeaux fan that got in, in touch our, with us on Twitter? Our,
2: our ITK.
0: Yeah, um, Mikhail.
2: Mikhail. Who's I thought our, that was his name for a
0: second. He's our, he's our, Borde- he's our
2: Bordeaux ITK. To,
1: Bonjour, je m'appelle exactly ITK. <laughs> Can someone translate for me? Yes.
2: <laughs> um, it looks like that um, Roy Fonte deal's off, though. He looks like he's staying at Braga.
0: Okay. So, so it looks like uh, Diego Roland's the only iron in the fire. I'd Dom- be very
1: surprised if we signed Diego Roland, by the way. Very surprised. Considering he's playing. Well, he's going to be playing Europa League football. Next season with Bordeaux. But um, as no, was.
2: Bordeaux didn't qualify them.
1: Did me. they not in the end? No, I don't think
0: so. But as I'll was Moeniski and could have played well, we had to League wait for him to finish his EuroP qualifier before we signed him.
3: That was really weird. That's why actually. the transfer was delayed.
0: <laughs> right, I didn't actually know that. Uh, Dom, have you seen any other transfer rumours uh, worth their salt? I've seen a lot of transfer rumours, but nothing that I would ever believe that could
3: really happen. I, I, I'm starting to think. I can think of players we need, but we're not being linked to them. Like, I think. We need to sign a goalkeeper. We need to sign a centre-half uh, and we and a striker and po- and possibly a left-back.
1: Yeah. So all of the positions.
3: Well, no, it's just if Fulham... Because I don't want to go through playoffs no. again, really, because we know how bad we are in them. We've never won a playoff game. And I think we just need to fix the cracks which were in our team last yeah. season. And I think Benelli's definitely off because he wasn't too, any of the two goal weeks playing in Poland. It was Marcus Rodak... And uh, David Button, um, and I think we do need to sign a top-level championship goalkeeper because although we scored a lot of goals last season, we did concede a fair few.
1: Guzan's available. He's he's been released by Villa, and I would take him.
0: I was just I thought Weidfeld, uh, who went to Leeds United, looked like a, a solid option. A keeper, Invader um, Bremen. Yes. Yeah, he was. He's obviously just.
3: Uh, Bogstad, a Bogstad, Bundesliga goalkeeper, so he'd been good for us. Obviously, we were li- we we weren't linked, maybe to an extent, but we were. It, it was rumored with John Ruddy, but obviously he's gone to visit Wolves. Yeah, yeah. And obviously we'll, we're we're gonna talk them in a bit because they've been making some very 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 big signings. Yeah.
0: This well, summer. let's bring you it up right, now. Do have
2: Europa League? I've just looked, but they yeah. won it through the French Cup, not through their f- position. Yeah, I thought that interesting. Be
1: uh-huh. um, I I know fifteen 15- love.
0: <laughs> 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 um, but let's let's come on to Wolves uh, as you mention it now. I mean. Stunning, stunning transfers that came out on Saturday. And by the way, got to wish Carla Kimi uh, all the best. Very best, yeah. Uh, as, he, uh, as he, I think he's fighting leukemia. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, anyway, back to Wolves. Um, they signed some big, big players on Saturday. Broke the championship transfer record, 16 million. They're looking like they mean business, although very unfortunate today about Helder Costa's injury for them. Unfortunate, unfortunate for them, fortunate yeah. for us, but... But with Ruben Neves, he was
3: linked with some very big clubs this summer as well. That was the thing, and then, and he somehow just ended up wolves. And obviously, with their with their manager, they got in as well. He was he's a very very got very good good reputation among European managers. So they've made some very good signings. But obviously, we saw with them last season, they did invest a fairly high amount as well, and that didn't really work. I mean, Zenga, I don't even know how long he lasted.
2: He didn't last very long at all. But he he did make some some bizarre signings. These ones look slightly better. Um, Neves is obviously an excellent player um, I think that no one's going to deny that Whether however he is suited to the hustle and bustle of the championship Will, will be another thing So we'll see, we'll see how he gets on there um, But yeah obviously he has such a bright future ahead of him And going to Wolves does seem like a very bizarre move But you know if it, if it works out and it works out They signed a couple of really random players They signed this another Portuguese player From like a second division Portuguese, uh, from sorry, from a Brazilian side, he he's not come with particularly good ratings. Roderick Miranda, sorry, he's Brazilian. He signed him from a Portuguese side. That's the the mistake. But uh, eventually, yeah, eventually they've <laughs> they've signed a Scottish bloke from Turkey. That's that's a rogue one, Barry Douglas. And they've signed the two Norwich players, obviously Bennett and Ruddy, who know this league very well. And I think they're both very good signings. Mm. Um Ryan Bennett in particular is is a big centre back who knows this league yeah. and, and will sit in there and and, and do a job and, and help to marshal what's a very young team now at, at, at Wolves. Um so that's a good signing. Um and then they've signed some other players. Another one from from Porto, uh, Willie Boley, who's another young centre back. Oh, he's not that young, but He's, you know, an upcoming centre back as such. Um, so yeah, they they look like they're doing some small bits, but it's all it's all a bit up in the air there. You know, mm. you never know quite how that's going to pan out because you know they signed lots of players, lots of foreign players last year, and yeah, Costa and Cavallero came through for them, but a lot of them didn't, and 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 we'll see how it how it goes this year. You know, maybe it will click, maybe it won't. So both yeah. times
1: that we were due to face Wolves, we both said, "These look at how many danger men they've got. Why aren't they higher up the table?" And then we did play them and let's not get, into, get onto those games. Um, but it shows that, you know, maybe they needed that year bedding in and perhaps that they're going to do really well this year. And they've got they've had to convince some good players that, look, this is our ambition. Look at the, these players that we've got. We're going to gun for promotion this year.
3: You could see how good they were at points, especially obviously mm. in the game they beat us at Craven Cottage, when every time they were attacking us, you thought they were going to score a goal. Yeah. So they clearly have... The potential in them with the likes, of obviously, Helder Costa. Now you got you got Ruben Neves, and
0: so we know everyone knows how good they can be. It's just whether they can be that good all the time. I think it'd be actually worth us uh, before the season starts, maybe doing a bit of a roundup of all the championship clubs and um, looking at their the strengths and weaknesses, who we might think uh, who we think might do well, and who we think might struggle, and who their key players. are. I think that might be a uh, good little one to do before the season starts. A 100%. Fulhamish prediction league.
2: Yeah. Maybe we'll have a little chat with Ali and George and see what they've got.
0: Exactly, exactly. Right, uh, before we get on to Poland, I just want to quickly get your thoughts on the rumours over Slav. Um the main rumour really has emerged from several quite reputable journalists about his future at the club and his apparent frustration with the transfer policy. This isn't anything really new that we've seen with Savisa. He's had these kind of frustrations before. He's in this head coach role sandwiched between Tony Khan and Craig Klein and and the demands and the statistical stuff um, that they spout. Do we believe there's some truth to this speculation or... As an alternate theory, do you think it's Slav pushing his weight around a little bit in order to maybe give him some more power over transfers from the board? If he's just putting the odd little tidbit I think the it's just recycled newspaper rubbish, to be honest.
3: I think it's just they're trying to, there isn't any stories to make and they're just re-reporting it. I mean, you, I think Slav is probably getting slightly frustrated, but I don't think it's as bad as all the reports are making it out to be. Every, every manager's who gets frustrated in the transit window.
0: But this was this wasn't like H I T C sport, this was yeah. like Bleach Report. I know it was I, I saw I saw obviously drop. the Bleach Report. You know I mean? <laughs> uh, the
1: bleacher report. They're Ra- all mugs of bleach <laughs>
0: report, yeah. obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: <laughs> the Bleach Report article, but I just thought it was just the same thing from last season and then we saw the stuff was getting frustrated with the signings, but we didn't make any bad signings last year. So you gotta sort of weigh these things into account that the way it's working didn't actually it wasn't even that bad last year. I mean the only bad signs you could argue were Ragnar Sigurdsson. That, that happened quite early on, so maybe that that could have been a slavisa signing. We pushed the him, button. Yeah, he pushed the button, not hopefully not with David button yeah, again. Exactly. But um, I, yeah, think, I think I don't really have an issue. What's happened yet? I mean, we need to sign players. I mean, the transfer winner's only been open really for like two weeks. I,
2: I read think. the first article on the on the Mirror, and you know, I I dismissed it quite you know readily. I was like, look, they were like it was talking about fulham signing you know they were happy with kearney and cesney signing but that no progress had been made in the signings of other players and it was about four days into the transfer window and i remember thinking well, surely can't be that angry already like as in we're in market for three players you know we're, we're trying to push these deals through we've made three bids for strikers are like three solid bids by by all accounts um yeah they haven't come to fruition yet but you know at least we're making moves in the right kind of directions and the article also said that we were in the market to sign Cameron Jerome, so I decided that it was rubbish because um, I just cannot <laughs> see Cameron Jerome being like Slavisa's key target with the yeah. summer. If, I, if I'm honest with you, like I think he's better than that. Um, but then the second round of, of, of one came through and, and the journalist that broke it is a Fulham fan. And that was what kind of switched it for me because I, was, I read it and I was like, hang on, why would he badmouth his own club for... Yeah, he didn't in Venice. He didn't say anything. But all he said was, "Slavisa's getting frustrated. I'm now a little bit worried." That was what the the tweet said. And yeah. Fulham yeah.
3: Twitter goes into meltdown. And
2: the Fulham always... Twitter went into full meltdown. Everyone was like, "This guy's making up stories to <laughs> to boost his readership." I was like, "He's not boosting his readership." Like, in Fulham... no no one's that interested outside of us
0: about <laughs> us, If I'm perfectly honest. Also, there was no article.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was no, just yeah. a tweet. It was just a yeah. tweet, and it, it was one of those things that it just seemed like he, I don't understand why he'd publish negative spin about his own club if he didn't have a reason to publish it that's what that's what got me and I think yeah I think maybe there's a lot of there's a lot of things out there now which are blowing this out of proportion all I read was the original tweet which said I'm a little bit worried because Flavisa is getting frustrated and I can understand that and and you know Flavisa probably is getting frustrated I don't think that he'll actually walk away but uh, then again you know he's not a tame lion like he, yeah. he he he's got that in him. He's he's a bit of a you know a hothead and if something doesn't go his way, I can see Slavisa making like a snap decision and being like, Right, that's it, I'm done. Um, because he's he's, you know, he's got he's very much one of those people that seems to be very calm, 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 explode, calm, 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 explode. And we saw that on a number of occasions last season. I think hopefully now that if this Roland movement is true or if we're they've sat down and maybe talked it out, then maybe things are going to start to progress at a little bit faster pace. And I'm hope that I'm hopeful that they'll be able to work out the kinks.
0: I wonder how angry Slavisa was last night when he uh, went down to Wimbledon to watch his uh, old pal Novak Djokovic and uh, got moved to today.
2: I mean, he watched one of the greatest games of tennis ever. So I hope he wasn't that disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, such is life.
0: Uh, He did better than me anyway. I I popped down to Wimbledon yesterday. So I've never been there before. I'll try and get in about five o'clock, get in a ground pass. I'm not joking. It took me 10 to 15 minutes to walk to the back of the queue. It was ridiculous. Uh, And the woman there said, um, I said, if I got any chance of getting in? She was like, "Mm, I've been telling people officially that you'll get in within two and a half hours, but no no, you won't see any tennis. So I was like, brilliant. So I could potentially queue here for two and a half hours just to see absolutely nothing. Yeah, fair play. Anyway, I digress. Uh, We need to find out about the tour of the summer. Uh, Dominic Betts on tour. Hashtag tour. Went to Poland, just about made it back alive. In a Lamborghini. Um, Yeah. So I don't (laughs) really know where to start. Okay, well, let's start with the games. Yeah, that might be, that so might be a good So we got a 1-0 win against... OK, you are gonna. You might have worked what? out how to pronounce no, it No, i now. just
3: say P.S. Gleeweiss. I mean, I don't really know how to oh, say it. Oh, that was
0: better than I was going to do. P.S. Gleeweiss. OK. I
2: think it's P.S. Gleeweiss, because W's are Yeah, but I, sp- I speak
0: English, nor yeah, Polish. A 1-0 win, what a Cabano penalty. Uh, we all watched it on the stream, and we saw you with your bucket hat on. Yeah. How was the game? Awful.
3: The game was absolutely dreadful. I mean, fair, fair play to the keeper in the second half. He made quite a lot of strong, good saves, and we, saw, we actually couldn't congr- him when we saw him because, obviously, it wasn't really a ground. It was a pitch with one stand at, at the back of a hotel. But, um, I mean, overall, yeah, nothing really happened. I mean, obviously, we were the better team in the game, but we just, uh, funny enough, we weren't clinical enough. Ah, i heard that before. But we did score a penalty. We did score a penalty. <laughs> I didn't think it was a penalty when I saw it live. I thought... Whoever, was it De La Torre who went down? Yeah, it was
2: George Williams George who went over. George oh, Williams. He bought it. Oh. He bought the penalty George, George, for... George
3: Williams falling over easily. What an absolute Yeah, I've surprise. never seen that before.
2: He did buy... He bought the penalty, but it was a penalty. I'd say off the stream.
3: Yeah, yeah I mean... It was, it was, a,
2: it was a penalty. And then Live the, streaming that game and tweeting, the, it was the worst thing I've
3: ever done. Funniest it was so The thing dull. about the game, I think, oh, the penalty, sorry, is when George Williams is literally getting the ball to take it and Capano's like, no, mate. Yeah, no, I'm he's taking this. none of it. And then obviously he scores the penalty and then... I mean, not much else really happened in the game. I mean, there was a few chances, but um, yeah. I mean, there was there was a, at least i f I'll say a fair few Fulham fans there, maybe like twenty, thirty. It's
0: a decent effort. More yeah, and went then there, was, um,
3: then there was actually a student there from like a local like Polish university who's like doing it for one of his assignments. Nice reporting on the game. And then uh, the night after Glivis, that was uh, just a load of Fulham fans out in um, Poznan. Okay. Uh, we we were drinking in some bar, and then we went to a club, and then the Ryan Session song came on, so that was fun, <laughs> very very fun. How and then, fun. and then the next day, I, it, I knew it was going to be bad because we had nothing to do. I mean, I could have done tourist stuff, but who wants to do that? Yeah. So did was... you do
2: the Poznan? Did you jump in a huddle and jump up and down with your no. backs to things for ages?
3: The, the most annoying thing was we, if the Poznan Europa League game like the fixtures were switched around, we could have gone to that. But they were away instead of at home for the second leg. Okay. Just quite annoying. So yeah, then on Thursday we we woke up, started drinking, walked around Poznan, and then we left the hotel about nine, <laughs> so I think, detailed. ten. Went to the, <laughs> went to the this, went I am to the bar. So hooked on this story. Went yeah. to the bar, had a load of drinks, and then I we tried leaving at two, and then I just couldn't actually function or walk. And my mate said he'd carry me home, and then in Poland they don't really like jaywalking, so. You get shoved in a in a van and it gets taken to, I don't know where it's a, p- a police centre, detention centre. It's basically called a drunk tank where they leave you in there, wait for you to sober up the next day, then let you go. So I was sounds in there. like the slammer or something. Yeah, like. I was in there for I think I was in there for maybe
0: probably fifteen hours. You got I, literally
3: sent to Coventry. I got let go. I got let
0: go about five. Half were you, ball. like, bouncing a tennis ball against the wall and catching it? That's why I imagine. it I mean, the, I mean, the rooms room was a lot nicer
3: than mean, me. There was an entire three beds in there, which I tried all, all of them beds. <laughs> I mean, I got bored. This story just gets better and better. He tried three <laughs> beds in Poland. And Are you then, sure he didn't bring really
2: like, DFS? <laughs>
3: <laughs> but then my friends kept getting Ubers to try and see if they could get me. So they end up getting four Ubers. But then the last one they got, they, I just, oh yeah, they were like, oh, yeah, your mate left five minutes ago. So then they had to get that back, and then they sort of wanted to kill me when when we met them back in the hotel room. And then we went out that night.
0: (laughs) And on to the second game. And then then we had another game. I still need to explain
3: explain this night as well.
0: Oh, sorry. sorry, The night's not over. Oh, wow.
3: Hold your hats, boys. There's a part two. (laughs) So then, yeah. And then my other mate arrived that day as well. So we were all drinking, and then we went to a club about maybe one. And my mates left, like, quite early because my mate basically died in the club. So we took him home but then I didn't leave it until bright daylight. You're a legend. On the Saturday morning and I was like why is it bright daylight? I mean I've lost track of time let alone you. And then so this is Saturday morning me coming home now. Okay. So I probably get in maybe if it's bright daylight maybe like 6 7 a.m. have about few have a few hours sleeping and then wake up and go to the train station. But then I realized I left my phone wallet and keys and hat in the club. So then I just had to go to the game with nothing apart from a wallet.
1: I like how you have your hat on the
3: same level as a phone and a wallet. Is it a bucket hat? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I do understand The no-surrender bucket hat. It's very, very sad. But, and then we went to the game, the Saturday game, got the train. It, the ground was actually quite nice, actually, and we ended up in hospitality. FC Ziln? Uh, it wasn't FC Ziln's ground. Okay. It was... I do
2: FC Ziln are from Poznan, are
1: they? No,
3: they're a Czech team. Uh,
2: there
1: you are. Oh, um, really? Oh, yeah. Are they from Ziln? yeah
3: one would suspect either yeah. that our fc Yeah. <laughs> so then because there was only like one train you could get we got to the ground like maybe two three hours before kickoff so then we the only way you could get up to the into the stand was go up through the hotel so but then we realized there was a bar and then there's like a few seats outside it so it was sort of like literally hospitality and we were sitting there and then so we just literally could just go back two seconds to the bar get drinks and then just watch the game from Hospitality right on the halfway line. So what Living was the, the second
2: stream. game like? A just lot... when we could not live yeah. stream. <laughs> uh,
3: well, yeah, my mates were periscoping it because yeah, there wasn't, the wasn't a live stream. But, um, yeah, it was it was a lot better than it was in the um, first game. I think the weirdest thing was, I think we must have used all our subs and then gone for showers because Delatore got injured and then we just didn't bring anyone else on. I think we were 2-0 up at this stage and then, because the players were obviously really tired, that's why we conceded two late goals. But again, the defending wasn't the greatest on these two goals. I think siggerton's at fault for both of them to an extent. But we did play well. Like Tom Kearney's assist for Luka's oh, goal is genuinely ridiculous.
2: yeah. That's why he's worth £20 million. It's
1: actually <laughs> <laughs> the top of his CV. Did you see my pass at FC Zilm? <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly.
3: <laughs> yeah, so that, the game the game was a lot better. It was a bit annoying, obviously. But as soon as they scored, made it 2-1, I was like, we are generally just going to concede another, aren't we? We nearly lost. Yeah, I know we did. <laughs> <laughs> and then season's so, over. <laughs> and then after the game, we kind of got locked on out onto the pitch because we went down to go onto the pitch, and then we re- but because we, we went like downstairs through the hotel, then we realised it's like a fire exit door sort of thing, so you can't actually open it from the outside. Oh. And we're like, oh great, we're locked out on the pitch. So I'd sort of like free run up, well, not free run up, but like climb our way up back into the hospitality bit to get back through the hotel to go get you had to break out of the
0: stadium. Basically, yeah.
2: And you were disappointed with the lack of response that the players showed at the end of the yeah, game. Yeah, no, they
3: didn't. just walked off and didn't even like say hello to us or
0: anything. They had no respect for the fact that you went there without your phone, without your wallet, and without your bucket hat. Exactly. And with a
3: hangover, one, yeah. would, one would imagine. I, no, I didn't get the hangover. I just, I was just... Just the hat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And then you yeah, just had one more night out and then I had to get my flight home the next day. And graduate. Out of, t- out of 10, the Poland tour? In response to the other pre tours I've done. It's definitely the best. Oh. It somehow It's Even beat, better than Cork away. It, even, it somehow beat Cork and Faro. I don't know how it's done that. But it has. And then I've, I've booked Darmstadt in a couple of weeks, so that should be fun.
0: We'll have to get your reports from where is Darmstadt? Uh, it's like Germany. 20, Germany. 20,
3: 20 kilometres from Frankfurt.
0: Okay, we'll <laughs> have to hear the latest from Because I was going to
3: go Austria, but it's just too expensive because you've got to go Graz and there's no direct flights. If not, it's a four-hour train from Vienna.
2: Nightmare. When is?
0: Uh, a week on Saturday. Scenes. All right, well, uh, before we finish uh, this week's podcast, uh, Jack, it'd just be uh, great to have a couple of uh, minutes to open the post bag. We
2: do have some questions. In fact, we have quite a lot of questions, so thank you for your responses. Have we I answered know you've quite, quite a lot of them? We've talked about some of them, but we'll, um, we'll, go, on, we'll go on to it. I'm going to sort of just flick through our, our menciones. I think we should get, like, a, a uh, mail bag sound effect
1: like someone rummaging through like a giant bag or maybe of... like a jingle. It's like I
2: letters think... with jack
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's what? your letters it's your letters
0: i think oh, I've that's just, probably think a I bit I've... old for
3: all you guys actually. i think i've
0: already got the jingle just that <laughs> just do that one more time Absolutely. Not. <laughs> <laughs> there we go i'll do letters with jack letters with jack <laughs> this went weird it's very weird <laughs> um jack your questions okay should Cess be
2: our starting left-back from Dom at Cessignon with an X in instead of an E? Do you think you likes Cessignon?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, so Stephen Cessignon should be our uh, starting <laughs> yeah. left-back.
2: Next question. Um, Any that actually, genuinely, do we, do we think that Cess is good enough to start a left-back?
0: Uh, I would prefer him in attacking, role. Yeah, and I I would prefer to I'd rather a left a sign back. a left-back Yeah, who can defend. More um, than anything else, because that's
3: what a lot of the times where our issues came from last season, because our fullbacks play so far forward and even can really defend. I mean, f- luckily for Fredericks, his pace gets him out of a lot of situations. Obviously, Adoy can play at left back, but I'd rather think we should sign a top quality championship left back and then move Sessional on further forward. He might even break into the team ahead of someone like Aite, because obviously he gets injured injured every five seconds. So yeah. and with there's no Piazon to to like come in behind them i was really sad seeing him uh in In a chelsea Chelsea he looks so depressed he does does look upset
2: free piazon (laughs) that's like (laughs) three piazon uh farrell um i i think i'm gonna
1: go slightly against the rest of the panel and say that i wouldn't mind him starting left back most of the time he played left back last season and he did a good job
2: okay what about tayo Edon? That wasn't the question, No, Jack. I'm just making a point. <laughs> Tayo Edon is I quite would, good. And I would he's say actually I don't defender. know enough. He's, so, done, he's done really well for England. Yeah, I know he's, he's been yeah. really a bit. good.
3: Have the return of Jordan Evans. Oh,
2: <laughs> massive, massive. Sean Cav, King Cav. Um,
3: <laughs> he's still there. Yeah, who, I know. He's been Born in orange net? Born King in Cavanaugh. Cav.
2: Alex Whiteford and Lord Craven have... Oh, no. Alex Whiteford and Fulham George have asked very similar questions, so I'm going to give you both of them and then we're going to answer them together. Willem George says, "Can you give us your thoughts on the season ahead? Early predictions for promotion?" Um, and Alex says, "What would be your very early top six predictions this year? And will transfer rumours affect your predictions dramatically?"
3: Well, rumours won't affect my prediction massively because it rumours don't players who join. So, but it it massively depends who everyone signs because yeah, as we said, the transfer window's only been open two weeks. Look, they
2: said almost premature. He's just asking for your top six, Tom. Oh, give right. him it.
3: Fulham. Okay. <laughs> Who else? Uh, I'm gonna say Middlesbrough. I think out of the three promoted sides, they're the one I think can relegated. You mean? Yeah, same thing. <laughs> well, not really, but yeah. No, out of Hull, Sunderland, and Middlesbrough, I think Middlesbrough have are the most threatening.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. I agree that.
3: I also would say Hull. I think are good enough to make the top six. They
2: are at the moment. they don't yeah. sell all their players, Andy Robertson is going to Liverpool. As discussed yeah. in today's article about Scott Malone comparing him to other players.
0: There's so many great articles. You just need to go to the website and read them all. I'm going <laughs> to go for Norwich as well. I think they
3: I, they have a good chance because, I mean, they had a bit of a poor season last year, but I think this season they really want to push on. They've I,
1: they've kept most of their good players apart uh, from Johnny Hounds. And so.
3: Mitchell Dykes, he's gone as well.
1: Yeah, but they have got Fulham legend James Husband now.
2: mm and I think well that's made. a big
1: signing for And they've got considered.
0: a fucking great manager. We. Hey,
2: how long was that taking? I think we've forgotten Aston Villa. Who I'm a, yeah, a that's my...
1: Yeah. I'm, I think as much as we hate John Terry, I mean, he, he was playing...
3: I'm getting my coins sharpened as we speak.
1: <laughs> no, it's not so much that. I just think... It will <laughs> the views a, of Dom Betts do not represent the podcast. of the, yeah. the podcast. Um,
3: <laughs> I think Sheffield Wednesday you got to say as well. Yeah, I, I agree.
1: Like, I would go Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday, I think, they... I mean, they were a very good, solid player. We all said that Sheffield Wednesday were the team to kind of beat in the playoffs. Obviously, it didn't plan out like plan out that way at all. But, I mean, they've done...
2: I, they have so many players. Yeah, <laughs> they, have, they didn't need to sign anyone because they signed everyone in January. Yeah, exactly. On
0: a similar vein, did you see uh, Harry Redknapp's really bold championship predictions yeah, yesterday? Yeah, this is
2: what, in fairness, um,
0: Was it on the George Sun Fulham
2: George did actually say to this, he said, a bit more decisive than Harry Redknapp's thoughts, please.
0: Harry Redknapp picked uh, 16 clubs that could potentially win the championship <laughs> this season. <laughs> Only two thirds of the
2: league. We're released.
0: one of them, fortunately. I'm a little
2: bit worried about Brentford, uh, the last club I'd throw in, in in the mix, especially if they keep Hotter. Um, I'm hoping they won't keep Hotter. but uh, do you think, I should Le- have kept do you think Leeds have of any
3: chance at all? Hmm? Do you think Leeds have any chance at all?
2: Uh, what, what do you think, Dom?
3: No, but I want to know from someone who's gone a, a Central they, opinion have they, on they, They've
1: signed Pontus Janssen permanently, yeah. they? signed him in January.
3: Yeah. They they
2: did also bring two and a half billion people to Barnsley away. So I think they're <laughs> dead certs for first place.
0: I'd like to see them be first all of the season, then just drop out dramatically and
2: finish seventh. Finish <laughs> seventh. Yeah, that would make me very happy, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, aside from that, I think yeah, there's lots of clubs that they've done good bits. We've already mentioned wolves. I think that's about eight. I don't think we need to put any more in before we before we actually become Harry redknapp So let's leave it at that. Um what else is there? What do we make about Slav's rumours? Harry Lee. We hope you've already answered that one. Um Best song you this is a good one. Alex, pure power. Best song you can come up with for Roland. Otherwise, if we don't start it early, it'll just be Seven Nation Army.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you go roll. That's rubbish, isn't
2: it? Well, yeah, it is. It's being classic. the so
0: To be honest, one. I haven't got over the Ibrahima Sisei one. <laughs> it was really good. It's what is it again? Ibrahima.
3: Ibrahima. here we go again. Sisei. how can I resist you? It's just unbelievable. It's, that's a genius
2: jump. Nearly I've just seen the Jerome Apoku one you were doing. <laughs> the
3: other day. I want to walk like you, talk like you, Jerome Apoku. <laughs> I want to be like you. Hoo-hoo.
2: A classic. I still can't believe you
3: could hear everything I was saying on the stream.
2: Yeah, it was
1: good. Like
3: every word.
2: (laughs) Every word you said.
1: The only Um, thing I can think of for Roland is just associating with rolling, so you can have keep Roland, Roland, (laughs)
2: Roland. rolling on the river. Yeah, (laughs) that was was my thought. Rolling all over the world. They see me Roland. (laughs) They
0: (laughs) see me (laughs) rolling.
2: Um, I think there's a cute.
0: T. I think there's a T-shirt potential there.
2: Yeah, of course. There's going to be so many sold bad on charts. the merch site of Fulhamish coming at you soon. Yeah. Um, this is something kind of related to what we talked about earlier. We're saying most head coaches. It's from Jonathan John twenty seven. Most head coaches want control over their transfers. Should the club be looking at being more flexible in their approach with regards to Silva?
1: Well, I think we are, aren't we? Already, it seems to be that there are some of the transfers are. A Klein Tony Khan thing and a lot of them are Yukanoviches. Also,
3: it's, don't take a job at head coach as head coach if you want to have full yeah. control over transfers. Request that you want to be the manager of the team. I think if you're taking a role at a club as head coach, you know you're not gonna have full control over transfers, because yeah. it is a different role to what a manager is. It's
1: uh it's quite different to um I mean this is going back a long time now, but when Tagana came in and it was his second season in the Premier League and we just hired Franco Baresi as our um, sporting director or whatever it was. And it's different because Tigana came in as a manager and full control over transfers and that kind of thing. And then Baresi came in and then started signing um, players without Tigana's knowledge. I think it was him that signed Herrera and Facundo Sava, and then that created the um, tension and ended up having Baresi leaving. It's different, and quite. Dom quite like it says, don't... Don't come in as a head coach and expect full control over transfers.
2: Okay, we've got two more. From Sam Lockhart, he said, what goalkeeper should we be looking for this season to replace Betts and Button? Smithies. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's Smithies is, is the <laughs> obvious choice, but I don't think we're actually going to sign Smithies. So is there anyone else you'd be interested in bringing in? I don't in know what
3: particular goalkeeper, but I, need, I think we need, we need someone who knows how to distribute football.
2: Yeah, that would be useful.
3: I mean, because that's what we need from a go- I don't want to sound like, buddy, Pep Guardiola, but we do need a goalkeeper who can play with his feet. It is quite key to how much of the ball our goalkeeper does have. It's worse people to sound like. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think it's just, yeah, I think we need to need to sign a keeper sort of sharpish, basically. And, and, and we've been linked, actually, that was a rumour we were linked with, Joel Robles of Everton. No,
1: that's not going to happen. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that's
2: a bit of a presumably one. on loan. Yeah, I but saw I that one yesterday. That it was a really? bit of a random one. Well, they signed Pickford, quite... haven't they? That's true. And they've got an, and there's Stecklenberg's there as well. So you, you'd imagine one of the three is going to leave.
1: I wouldn't. And he kept he kept Robles out of the team for a little bit while he, he Robles was injured and then um, came back and then Stecklenberg was in still between the sticks for a I while. I wouldn't mind
0: a good loan keeper, especially if we're looking to challenge this year. Uh, a keeper that does bits for us. At championship level may not be suitable for us if we do get promoted this season so if we have a one season wonder between the sticks or potentially even someone that actually is premier league standard someone that if we did go up could stay with us and sign permanent when we went up.
2: yeah 100% danny ward good signing good Mm. player he
0: was a lone signing so because it is is hard to find a good level keeper that wants to join a championship club permanently because there is seemingly at the moment a little bit of a Earth. should we just In... get
1: brentford's keeper again yeah bentley yeah, yeah just nick mind. him yeah
0: okay <laughs> and the last
2: question is is it quite a good one it's from tim britney messaged us this so thank you tim he says what happened to mike rig things seem to have got a lot better since he left the club with signings and general sense of goodwill i i think it's a bit i think it's debatable uh, yeah. like, it's a good question though
1: it's a good I, question but i it's helped by the results on the pitch yeah, part of me
0: thinks that his leaving and the results in the pitch are not directly linked. I think the reason that Mike Rigg left is probably because I think he was slightly undermined in his role, basically, when by Tony, Tony by Tony Khan yeah. coming in, and that was basically starting to eke away at what Mike Rigg, Mike Rigg did. Um, I think Tony Khan does seem to have a good system. Um, it worked last season. I guess we'll have to wait and see if it works this season, but unfortunately Mike Rigg and, and the Khan's are starting to get over this stigma, but Mike, Mike Rigg was forever associated, <coughs> forever with associated. a terrible bit. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think it's important to remember that actually we, we spoke about Mike Rigg's departure just after January, the transfer window. And I think Rigg left in December or November. It wasn't, it was, it was in the middle of last season. And in January, we struggled to get deals over the line. And someone made the very good point on Twitter. I think it might've been Frankie. Um, who said that there were well we were struggling to get deals on the line because we didn't have a director of football in place mm. whose kind of job is basically to make those deals happen. And it's interesting to think about that in, in that context. And, you know, yeah, we've signed Jallo and, and Cissé, which we've, you know, struggled over the line. But if we now go and struggle to get deals over the line at the, you know, the business end of this transfer season, will people's opinions change on yeah. whether we need a director of football or not? And I think that there's a lot still up in the air about this one. And I think we'd have a more definitive answer for you when the when the silly season finishes, if I'm honest.
0: Yeah, it might not hurt if Fulham. Tony Khan, I think, is doing a good job, and I think he has some pioneering views, and I think he does have some good ideas. It, it does maybe seem though that our Fulham lacking an experienced transfer dealer, basically within their ranks. This is all quite new to Tony Khan. Uh, Craig Klein is. Uh, in a server data room, uh, surrounded by about seventeen computer screens. So good. That's exactly where I wanted. <laughs> um, <laughs> but maybe we are missing someone, Alan Mike Rig, who's going out there whining and dining, has got all the contacts in football. Um, but maybe, but it, I think if Fulham were going to have that position, and maybe they're looking for that actively, it needs to be someone that Tony brings in yeah. himself. It was never going to work the way it was with Mike Grigg being someone else's appointment it's okay. a fair
1: it's a fair point when you've got some when you in any walk of life and in any organizational or business that if someone comes in the top they're always going to be looking into rearranging to the re- below them look at the structure change the structure bring in their own people
0: yeah
2: well, that's all from me on this week's postbag. Thank you for all your questions, as usual. Keep them coming, and next week we will do our best to answer some more.
0: Yes, uh, we'll have to wait and see if there is a next week at the moment. Uh, the podcast episodes are a little bit up in the air. I think there will be a next week, uh, but we will confirm to you what the Fulhamish schedule is. It's still all a little bit... Um here, there and everywhere as it's the summer. But we'll, we'll, we'll come back to you on that. So everyone, thank you for listening to our first podcast of the seventeen eighteen season. I feel like we've been finding our feet again. Uh, we're all a little bit rusty, a little bit unfit.
2: Yeah. Lacking match fitness. Yeah, I'm knackered. To, I'm knackered now.
0: We all need to do some like scales or something, don't we, for the next few some weeks. Warm up. Just some warm-up uh, to get us fully ready for the season ahead. Uh, Jack, have you got a title for today's podcast? No. <laughs> <laughs> I told you we were rusty.
2: Um, I think we'll have to go with a pun. I uh, we'll go with Roland the season.
0: Oh, very Whoa. nice. Had to be a Roland-based pun. Yeah, why, I wanted, why they see- I wanted they see me Roland, but...
2: We'll keep that for the actual terraces.
0: Yeah, exactly. After Mum and Mia, you know, we need some Chameleon air in there.
2: Dom, Dom looks on looks approvingly.
0: Yeah, he does. He's not playing in Pogba, I don't I don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so potentially back next week I'm sure we will be we'll just um, confirm the timings and everything next week uh, make sure you get following us Facebook and Instagram that's your homework for this week Farrell uh, Monk thank you for joining us no thank you Tom Betts thank you again and we're looking forward to hearing some more adventures uh, hopefully next time from Germany it's white. Right, it's what I do and Jack Collins thank you very much thank
2: you Sammy
0: we'll see you very soon goodbye <laughs> bye